Okay, so basically what they're suggesting is that there's too much misinformation and disinformation on on the web. Probably about everything we're talking about, like all the truth that we're talking about. So they want to clean it. So what they want to do is they want to disconnect the World Wide Web for one day. And then they're saying, well, probably to do that, what we should do is disconnect the entire power grid in certain countries also for that same day. And they're also saying, well, it's going to cost the world economy like it's in the billions of dollars. And then some are saying they're going to say, oh, look how greener the planet got today because we did this. And so it's all part of the climate change initiative. Right. So my suggestion was, well, if if all we do to preserve our food is is put things in the freezer, you know what it's like. I mean, we have hurricanes here on the East Coast or the tail ends of hurricanes and winter storms. And sometimes the power goes off for you know, a week in that. And uh, so we have to be prepared, right? So we don't want to put all of our eggs into the freezer, so to speak, or into our one basket. So we have to be prepared. So having said that, some of the segments in the videos we're going to do is I'm going to teach you how to cook without an electric stove. There are options, right? And uh, all you need is maybe a few twigs, maybe a barbecue. And uh, I'm not going to reveal all the secrets here. You have to stay tuned. But we want you to be prepared for disasters and, and all those things. I'm super pleased to introduce tonight's special guest, Dan Vachon. Dan is a retired pastor, missionary, and paramedic, and he is Action for Canada's chapter leader in Sydney, Nova Scotia, as well as the chapter team leader for the Maritimes. He also co-leads Action for Canada's pastoral <coughs> support team. Dan has a great love of nature and the outdoors, and he's here to share his knowledge of farming, gardening, and preserving the bounty of the harvest with us. Dan is a man of faith and integrity, and we are so pleased that he can join us tonight. Will you all help me welcome Dan Vachon? Dan, thank you for joining us, and welcome to the Empower <laughs> Hour. Thanks, Heather. <laughs> the crowds, so good to be here again. Crowds are going. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I saw you doing that in the background. Other, other people couldn't see that, but Dan was making me laugh earlier. <laughs> I was trying to keep it together. Oh, yeah. Dan, I'm so happy to have you on. Just so everybody knows, this is such a good friend of Action for Canada and such a valuable and cherished part of our team. Dan holds uh, wears many hats as part of the uh, co-leader of the pastoral team and a chapter leader in Nova Scotia. And he over there we go, <laughs> Maritimes, and and Dan also has so many talents when it comes to uh, animal farming, gardening, preserving, and uh, preparing. So Dan, thank you so much. I'm just gonna hand it over to you, and I look forward to your presentation. All right. Well, thanks so much, Tanya. I got to tell you, I was kind of excited seeing all of the people logging on tonight and seeing where they're from. And so many new people saying this is their first time. So welcome, welcome everybody. And so here I am in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia at the eastern end of the country. We had 15 beautiful degrees here today, bright sunny day, and I was in my greenhouse uh, watering things there. And uh, I think it said it was like 42 degrees in there. So summer is definitely here, at least in part of where we were on the land. So. <clears throat> I'm just going to go right ahead and get into the PowerPoint here. Now, I got to tell you that I'm just going to kind of skim the surface here tonight. And I, I don't want to overload anybody with a lot of information because I want to give you something practical 
to take home tonight while you are home, but something practical that you can do. Okay. And I, I know and realize that um, some information is good, but I don't want it to be discouraging to you either. Things are kind of um, in our economy right now, things are kind of rough. And I want to show you some, some things right from uh, the government of Canada to kind of give you an example. So I'm just going to go ahead and share screen here. And I'm going to get right to this PowerPoint here. Um, I'm going to go right from here. Do, 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 slideshow. From the beginning. I, okay. You all see that okay? Yes, we're Are we good. good. Okay. Okay. All right. So I may as well just go right to the first screen here. So what I want to show you is, as you know, when you go shopping at the store, <clears throat> the price of everything is crazy, crazy high. So just since February 2023, uh, the import price of foods is, is up 3.1% with a consumer price index 5.2% on the rise. Um, anytime the, the consumer price index is over, say, 2%, you really, really feel a pinch because nobody's getting a 5.2% raise, certainly not uh, these days. I know that just today, uh, government workers went on strike here. I don't know if it's uh, Canada-wide, but here in Nova Scotia, picket lines are up already. So it's a, it's a dire situation. Uh, my, let me move my screen here a little bit because it's blocking this here. But the total number of farms in Canada last year went down by 1.9%, which represents almost 200,000 hectares of land. That's a lot of land. That's less land that's being farmed. So, of course, when that happens, you're going to see these numbers go up even more. This graph here is representative of where we get the majority of our grain in Canada, this is uh, mostly of the prairies. The yellow that you see there, um, uh, sorry, I just gotta move my screen here again. The yellow that you see there represents uh, what would have been similar to the growth pattern the year before. The peach color is lower, but the brown is much lower. This is compared to uh, the year 2022. So what this simply means is that our crop production in the prairies has gone down again since the year before. And this is what the CBC has reported here just on March 21st, 2023. The inflation rate drops to 5.2% in February, but grocery prices are still up. I was at the grocery store just a couple days ago and uh, I could see three different tills next to me. And by the way, I never go to the self-checkout because I don't work there. So why would I do the work, right? But I, I could not believe how many people had grocery items at, at their till, at their checkouts that had reduced price tags on them. I mean, this is where we're at. And I mean, inflation rate drops to 5.2%. When the inflation rate is like 2%, everybody's feeling the crunch. I mean, if you work at a job and you get like a 1.5% raise per year, you're not really getting a raise. You're barely keeping up with inflation. But 5.2%, I mean, come on. So back in the old days, I used to have, you know, I've owned a number of farms in my life. I've had a 36-acre farm, a 54-acre farm, and the last one I had was a 200-acre farm. So I call this Dan's not former glory days, but my farmer glory days. 
And at one time, you know, I had three tractors. And uh, one of the reasons I had all these farms is because, uh, hold on to your hats and sit down for this, but I've, I've raised, I had nine children. And these children, you know, they like to eat, but I realized I had to feed them. And I knew I'd get in trouble if I didn't feed them. And one of the things that I did as well is I taught my children how to become self-sustainable. And if all of my children <clears throat> right now, uh, you know, they found themselves in a dire situation, they could all cook. You know, how many kids in, in school today know even how to cook an egg, right? But they all learned life skills, sustainable life skills. And so these were my former days, my farmer days. But here I am now. I mean, we're we're living on just a few acres. We're, we're on a river. But at this point, you know, we have our own uh, laying hens. We do raise some meat chickens. And we live on a gravel pit, but we do garden. And I mean, it doesn't sustain all of our needs, but it does sustain some of our needs. So we can all start somewhere. Now, you may not be able to have uh, a, a farm or a large farm. You may not have big barns like this that you can store a lot of, of produce and, and, and be able to, you know, uh, quote unquote, hoard things at this point. And maybe this is you. Maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, what can I do? I mean, this is me. I live in a complex like this. I live in a condo. I live in an in a urban city. Um, but there is something you can do. Don't feel like you're strapped. And I mean, this is what they, the powers that be want, right? They want to move us all into 15-minute cities where, you know, you're kind of stuck in a 15-minute in a prison. But one of the things I want you to notice about this building, look at all the greeneries growing on these balconies. And so that's kind of where I want to start with you tonight. Now. Whether you live in one of these apartment buildings or a smaller apartment building, or even a little bit like in the country, even like I do, this is a place you can start right here. Now, last summer when I did an Empower Hour, I shared a little bit about a tower garden. Now, we actually own one of these. And the first time I planted some of my lettuces in something like this, we actually kept the same lettuces in the little containers in these for over a year until the roots were actually growing right down into the bottom water container to the point where it plugged up all the holes and I had to take it out. So we basically planted, uh, I think, three or four different types of lettuces, uh, some Swiss chard. We had some kale growing in there. I even had little baby tomatoes growing in there. And this thing produced well over a year. Now, ours has the timer on it where the lights come on for, I think, uh, 14, 15 hours a day. The pump comes on to water it for about a minute and a half every 10 minutes. And we put the nutrients in there. And uh, this is, you know what, year round. Now, if you have, say, a salad a day, I know around here, like a three-pack of romaine lettuce costs about $8. So, you know, you could be saving yourself some money. Now, these things do cost some money, and they cost a little bit to run them every day. But you can be having some fresh lettuce every day. It's healthy for you. You get your fiber. And besides, if you look at the picture on the, on the bottom right, you hardly even see the tower when they're in full bloom. So if you're in an apartment and you want to provide some fresh greens for you, there you go. There's a start. If you live out in the country, you can have this in your house and uh, you're providing for yourself a little bit. Now, let's say you are in an apartment complex and you don't have very much space. You got to make use of the space that you do have. The photo on the left, you see the little planter boxes there. 
and you've got different types of lettuces there. You've got some spinach. You've got some, uh, what else do they have? Yeah, different types of lettuces there and uh, maybe some Swiss chard. The photo on the right, they're not even using their deck. They built these little uh, containers there that are suspended on the other side of your of your balcony. And one thing I want to mention here, when you're planting seed, on your seed packet, it will say to plant your seed uh, with certain spacing requirements. Now, you've got to kind of be careful of that if you're planting root crops, like your carrots and your, your parsnips and your beets and, and, and such, because things growing in the ground, they kind of need to, um, you know, to they need that space in the ground to grow. If you're planting leafy things like lettuces and, and that, you can plant them closer together because they can grow up and then they can grow out. So you can make really good use of your, of your space. Now, if you look at the planter on the left, it's on wheels. So when it gets a little cold, you can actually bring it inside, put it next to a, a window. Here's another idea. Same thing on the one on the right. It's also on wheels. And you can cram things in there. The one on the left is made of recycled materials. Now, I had a little business there for a number of years, and it was called Driftwood Pallet Works. And because I live close to the ocean, I used to go and collect all kinds of driftwood, uh, seashells. And uh, I'm a bit of a scrounger and collector a little bit. And um, I used to collect pallets, and I used to make all kinds of things like uh, uh, coat racks and uh, license plate holders and different things. But I'm always kind of collecting things and upcycling them and, and reusing them. The planters on the left look like they're recycled buckets of some sort and little racks. And these are kind of a nice concept because look how closely those plants are planted together. You can jam a lot of stuff in there. And again, you can bring these in. If you have a garage, you can set up some lights and you can extend your growing season in something like this in, in, in the fall. You can plant in containers. I mean, isn't your mouth just watering a little bit right now? We make a lot of pasta sauces. We use different types of tomatoes. And these pots can be moved around from a, uh, to a shady location if it's too hot or to a, a sunnier location. And, uh, you know, you can mix and match varieties close by. If you don't have a lot of space, this is a, an excellent, excellent idea that, that you can incorporate. Some people have these balconies, you know, and they hardly ever use them. If you want to grow uh, some herbs, for example, in, in, uh, in a tight space, look at the one on your left or you wanna grow specialized little peppers. Uh, I, I really like spicy peppers, so I grow four or five different types of habanero uh, uh, peppers or, or uh, jalapenos, I call them, peppers, you know. Uh, look at the idea, the, the photo on the right. You've got this, this uh, older gentleman there. He has simply taken some bags of dirt. You cut up the top, then you poke some holes in the bottom, stick them on a tray. You don't even need pots. You just put your seeds or seedlings in there and stake them up as they grow. And voila, Bob's your uncle. Right. And then when you're done, you can recycle that bag of soil to spread it on your lawn when you're done or whatever. All right. So you can get a little creative that way. So what if you do have a little bit of a yard and you want to use some of the space and, uh, <clears throat> you know, you don't want to rototill your yard or you don't want to dig some holes. You don't want to turn the sod over. Well, one of the easiest ways to do it is to do a raised bed garden. And the nice thing with raised bed gardens is you can go to your lumber yard and you can get a few two by fours, two by sixes. You can put some uh, some raised beds together really quickly, really cheaply, or you can use some recycled materials for that as well. Now, in this little bed, these little beds here, you'll see on the far right, 
There's some tomatoes grown there. They've got corn in the middle. I don't know why they have corn in the middle, but um, anyhow, we won't address that. That's not my photo. But And then on the far left, you've got some sort of uh, maybe some squashes there or maybe some zucchinis, it looks like. Notice the mulch in the middle of the beds. Hey, no need to mow between those rows. And it, it's easy on your feet, easy on your knees when you, uh, when you kneel as well. And it looks like they have an automatic watering system there too, or some, some sort of soaker hoses in there too. Now here's a, a neat idea with a, a, um, a raised bed as well. You don't need a ton of good soil to build a raised bed. Now, talking about the Prepper Dan videos that uh, Tanya was just mentioning at the beginning, I do have a second one that's uh, up now that we're going to be putting on that site as well. And I take you through a tour of my raised bed uh, gardens inside my greenhouse. And I use some panels that I get from uh, uh, lumber, yard or lumber yards here. When someone orders a cutout or a, a, a new steel door or a new fiberglass door and they want a big window in it, the cutout that they that they cut out from those doors, they throw them out. And so I use those to make my raised beds and, and they're already insulated. But in the middle of the of the garden beds, you don't have to fill it with good topsoil. And here's a, a prime example of what you can do to create a an organic, rich type environment for your plants. And this is called the lasagna type garden. You can do this. You don't have to do it in a raised bed, but it's super economical and super easy to do. So you create the raised bed using recycled materials. On the outside, you can use pallets. And as they decompose or, or just rot, you tear them apart. And you build new ones. So you mix your carbon and your nitrogen-rich uh, organic materials. And I'll talk a little bit about that in just a few moments. When you do something like this, you can plant your plants really close together. It cuts down on some watering, and it also cuts down on your weeds. And with something like this, you mulch heavily, say with straw or with shredded newspaper initially, and then it'll cut down on your weeds as well. Get creative with your raised beds. Doesn't that look, look just look beautiful? Now these raised beds would cost you a fortune, mind you, because it's all galvanized and all really nice kind of pressure treated lumber. And, and they're all, uh, you know, they're all stained nice and neat. But those panels that you see that go up, those are called cattle panels. And those are actually fairly inexpensive and you can get those at hardware stores. And uh, I know around here, they're, you know, the, the, uh, the four by eight panels are probably about $14, $15 a piece. You can get them that are coated. They're a little more expensive, but this is a, this is a beautiful thing that you can do. You can plant some, uh, some, uh, pole beans on there. You can put some peas on there. Cucumbers do well on there as well. Even some, uh, zucchinis or squashes. And so, You've got more room inside your garden, inside your raised beds to grow other things, but then your climbing things go up there and you walk through there every morning and you just pick your vegetables and away you go. Here's another idea using the same thing with the trellis at the back. And in the middle there, you can plant some lower uh, type of beans, some bush beans. And uh, one thing I wanna say about these beds here, these beds are great for older people like me. You don't want to bend over too much, you know, so you can actually sit. I would put little corners on there even. You can sit there. You can take a break. You can have your morning coffee, and uh, you don't have to bend so much. Now, you may be thinking, you know, these would be kind of expensive to build. Well, not necessarily. Uh, you can find an area where you somebody would have uh, maybe a sawmill, so you can get some rough sawn hemlock or even some spruce or some pine. 
Now, I'm fortunate I have my own sawmill, so I, you know, I can make my own lumber, but something like this is ideal. And again, you don't have to fill the bottoms of these with a very expensive uh, dirt or topsoil. You can put some rotting logs in the bottom, some shredded leaves, some uh, uh, all kinds of leaf litter. You can put some um, uh, uh, some grass clippings and you build it up like a lasagna bed kind of garden. And as those things decompose, uh, the, um, the nutrients in there uh, build a really nice, rich type environment for your plants. And then the roots will gravitate down to that and get lots of uh, nutrients from that. A few more ideas, the beds on the left, again, they look very aesthetic, aesthetic, boy, say that fast 10 times, aesthetically pleasing. And there are trellises in the back, so you would put some climbing type uh, things toward the back there. And um, the, one, the beds on the, left, on the right, sorry, if you look at them, they're smaller beds, but look how jam-packed they are. Obviously, somebody likes some flowers there, but you can really pack a punch in those beds. And there's a lot of lettuces in there as well. And those beds will keep producing, you know, as long as you get some nice weather. Container gardens. Again, I mentioned those earlier. It looks like somebody got some uh, some totes, you know, from Walmart or whatever. They've recycled some uh, some five-gallon buckets and pails. And again, you can move those around. And, uh, you know, as the weather gets cooler in the fall, you can move those to a warmer location and uh, just keep those going. What about extending your growing season? Well, somebody found some uh, some six-pane old uh, single-glazed windows, and they've made some uh, some cold frames out of those. You know, you just extend a piece of your baby barn or something like that, a few sticks of wood, and again, you put some dirt in there. Now, this will extend your growing season in the spring, maybe by as much as six weeks. You can actually just plant some seeds in there, and uh, it's amazing how hot it will get in there. And then once your plants reach the height of the window there, you just simply take those off or prop them open and you keep growing through the season. Now you, what I do in my greenhouse and I share this in the new video, I actually plant some root crops in there towards the third week of September. Once I've taken the tomatoes and the, the, um, the peppers out there in, in the fall and stuff grows in my greenhouse all winter long and it's not heated at all. So something like this is a great addition as well. Polytunnels, greenhouses, cold frames. Uh, the picture on the top right hand, these are kits that you can actually purchase. They're metal frames. They are a little more expensive, but these kits will last you a very long time. The one that you see on the bottom right hand uh, side there, those are that's actually electrical conduit. Now, I just bought some electrical conduit for some of my outdoor raised beds. And uh, they're actually fairly cheap. They're like $7 for a 10-foot section. The nice thing with those is one end is flared. So all you got to do is get those little brackets that screw into your wood at the bottom. And you just, and, and, and it's in the new video as well. You can see it. You just simply just slide them in there and fold them over and just wrap your plastic on top. I mean, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to build these. The photo on the bottom left, those are a little more elaborate. If you... Uh, you know, you have some teenagers that are, that are taking shop class, for example, and you want some help, you know, build something a little more elaborate. And these frames, uh, they look like they just maybe slide off and then you would stack them or put them away until the fall. And uh, but again, very aesthetically pleasing. So now that you have all of your produce at the end of summer, or towards the middle of summer, what are you going to do with it? 
Now, let me take a quick pause here and just say something because I'm still researching something that uh, may be happening this summer to a world near you. Now, back in October 2019, the uh, World Economic Forum, in collaboration with the John Hopkins University, the Bill Gates Foundation, the World Economic Forum, and the World Health Organization, did a, an exercise where they planned a worldwide catastrophe uh, with a corona-type virus, a SARS-2 virus. And wouldn't you know it, a few weeks later, the world was hit with a corona-type virus. It actually happened. So now on the World Health, or uh, sorry, on the, uh, uh, the World Economic Forum website, they are saying that the internet has too much misinformation and disinformation. And what they are suggesting is that perhaps uh, as early as July, they may need to clean the internet. And how they will do that is by unplugging the internet for one 24 hour period. And then they're saying, we may need to shut down the entire electrical grid in certain countries for said 24 hour period. And they're actually saying it will cost the world uh, economy X amount of billions of dollars. This is an exercise that they may actually be planning to a world near you in the month of July. So if that actually happens, my thoughts is they may be saying, oh, look how much greener the world became in 24 hours. What if we extend this by three days or say a week? Now, here we are, we're planning to grow all this wonderful food and we got to preserve it somehow. And my first slide is, hey, why don't you blanch some of your food and freeze it? Now, we do that here. You know, we've got freezers here and, you know, we want something that's convenient. We get some steaks out of the freezer or some ground beef or some vegetables. But what if they decide, you know, you got smart meters on your house. We don't like what you're saying. We're going to shut off your smart meter or we're just going to power off the grid for a week just because it's good for the environment, right? So I'm not trying to discourage you from freezing your vegetables, but if you are going to freeze your vegetables, you need to know how to do it. So again, we're not going to get into too much detail here, but we will have some follow-up videos on how to preserve in all of the ways I'm going to introduce to you right now. But keep that in mind. Uh, it's, it's simple and it's easy to freeze things, but keep in mind that things may go awry and go sideways at some point if somebody at the world, uh, uh, the world Economic Forum decides that they're going to do something nefarious like they did in October 2019. And our world here, here in Nova Scotia, they're still following this narrative. And you know what I'm talking about, right? So another way that you can uh, preserve your food is by doing something like this. Now, that is not one of my photos. If it was, I would be going absolutely crazy because you see the third shelf down in the pickles? There's one jar that's crooked that stands out and it's not in line. My OCD would drive me absolutely nuts. I would not have that on my shelf. But other than that, doesn't that look beautiful? And things that are preserved and canned this way will literally last you for years. The power grid can go off and this will keep for years. Now we do some of this and we actually do some of our vegetables like this that are pickled. And they will also last you for a lot of years. So one of the things we're going to do with our Prepper Dan videos is do step-by-step -step videos on how to pickle and how to can and how to preserve. Did you know that uh, 
your products can look as beautiful as that. Now there's a full meal in a jar. You want to, you know, enhance one of your chicken dinners or whatever, you pop it out, you warm it up and away you go. Now, some of your vegetables, all of your vegetables, as a matter of fact, will need to be pressure canned because they're low acid food. Your jams and jellies don't. They can be water bath. But we will go through some videos with you on that, on how to do that. But did you also know that you can can your own meats? Now, we don't really eat lamb here, but I am a hunter. And, uh, you know, we do preserve a lot of our meats this way. The nice thing is when you go to the store and you buy your beef, well, it doesn't, you know, they are playing around with our meats and stuff. And I, I did have some slides and some articles, but I didn't want to discourage you too much tonight. But you know what? The best thing you can do, one of my children, they, uh, they, she raises some, uh, some pork. And so we usually buy a pig from her. We do have uh, some connections also that uh, raise cattle. And so we buy, you know, a, a quarter beef or a half beef. And uh, so we, we do our own. Do you know that you can can ground beef? You cook it up, put in a jar, pressure can it, and voila. And this stuff will last you for years. You can spice it. You can add, you know, as you see, there's some onions and some, a few other things. And we also do some of our pasta sauces like this too. And uh, that's a good way of doing it as well. Another way of preserving your meats as well, or not your meats, sorry, but your other produce, things that you can grow in your garden is by dehydrating it. You can dehydrate some of your meats as well. Make some really nice jerky. I am going to recommend one thing to you, though. You can buy those cheap dehydrators that are round and they just simply have a fan. My recommendation to you is if you are going to uh, get a dehydrator, get a decent one that has a timer on it and also has a temperature control. And uh, we have uh, we have a couple dehydrators, but uh, particularly the one on the far right. Um, and I'm hoping that I'm, when I say right, it's also right on your screen. But the, the taller looking one over there with all the nice looking stuff on there with the stainless steel trays. I think ours has 12 or 14 trays on there and we can pack it on there. I'll tell you, one of the things that we really like is sweet potatoes. We have we have three dogs and we dry them up as treats for the dogs. And I take one of these like uh, mandolin slicers and I, I put a little bit of olive oil on mine and I put some spices on there like Montreal steak spice and, and a few other Lowry spice and a few others. And I mix it all up and I put them on it. And I love that as a snack. You know, I'll eat like five or six of those little chippy things and the craving goes off. And anyhow, I'm not going to give you all my recipes tonight, but stay tuned for a video coming up on that. So just before we wrap up on this, do you remember those days? Come on now, a couple of couple of years ago. Remember the big the big to do with this? Well, I'm thinking that we may be coming to one of those days at some point soon. Now, at this point, I'm going to share something with you. And some of you will say, well, I'm not going to kind of believe where you're going with this. But I, I have to just give you a disclaimer and share this with you. Tanya shared a scripture verse just a few moments ago. We can prepare as much as we can, and I really want to encourage you to prepare as much as you can to get out there because everything that we do out in our gardens, and you can do, you can do a lot. If you have a patio garden, you get a little bit of dirt under your fingernails, you spend time in your garden, you're grounding yourself, you know, it's good for your mind, it's good, it's good therapy. And, you know, Heather mentioned at the beginning of this, you know, I was a paramedic for, for just shy of 30 years. I've seen a lot and I've done a lot. 
And sometimes I just need greenhouse therapy, I call it, or I just need to spend time outdoors. But our world, if you haven't noticed, is going sideways really quick. And things are going to get worse because things have been going from bad to worse for a lot of centuries. So here's what I want to leave you with tonight. There is hope for the future. Scripture tells us that in a lot, a lot of years ago, I wonder if I can move this here. I don't think I can. I can't read all of this here, but God tells us in, in Genesis chapter 5, that God saw, and I've just highlighted a few verse, a few words here, that God saw that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race that I've created. And with them, the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I've made them. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and it was full of violence. And God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. Now one version says, but Noah. (laughs) Thank God for, but Noah. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people of the earth, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. That's at the very beginning of the Bible. God had just made everything. And just a few chapters later, God said there's there's so much evil in the world that mankind can't even think of doing good. And everything Tanya was sharing at the beginning of this webinar, it seems that mankind is creating new ways of becoming evil today. And if you can't see it, I mean, you need to step outside your house. And so 2,000 years ago, Jesus was with his disciples. And they knew that the end was coming. That's 2,000 years ago. And they said, so, Lord, tell us, what's it going to be like at the end of the world? And this was his answer. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and he took them all away. That's how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. But it's not all doom and gloom. We can prepare for the uncertain future here on earth, but one thing is certain, we all face death. Maybe you've heard it said before, there are two things that are certain in your life, taxes and death, and it's tax season, right? And I gotta tell you something absolutely for certain, for sure. In my 30 years as a paramedic, I have met too many people who got up in the morning, had a shower, got dressed, and were on their way to some place, but never made it there because death came. It happens. My question to you is not, are you going to garden this summer? And how will you preserve your food? But my question as we leave here tonight is, where will you spend eternity? But the good news is, God sent his son to pay the price for our sin and to reconcile us to him. But it's a free gift. And will you receive this free gift of salvation tonight and that's my challenge to you and i do pray that you will so that's it for this presentation and stay tuned for more videos with prepper dan and uh we'll stop screen share and there that's Mm -hmm. that's that with more to come (laughs) 
Oh, thank you, Dan, so much. That was a wonderful presentation. I can't wait till we can put that on the page because I'm sure that our viewers are going to want to share that with others or watch it again, <laughs> right? So that they can uh, absorb more of the information. And um, I just kind of love it that we're going back to the basics. I remember when my kids were small, I would grow a small garden with them. And it was just so rewarding, just the way that new life just naturally grows on its own. And um, I look forward to not being so busy one day. I'm hoping my neighbors will share <laughs> because I just don't have time to plant a garden. Um, but uh, that is exceptional. All right. I think we're going to go and thank you as well for your word. Um, I do believe that it's very important in these trying times. There's a lot of people who uh, feel helpless. And that's why I wanted to give the amazing story uh, about the prayer around the school board in Kelowna and how God is here. He does answer prayer. But when we turn our back on him throughout history, he, he does allow evil to rise in a land and he uses evil leaders in order to bring us back to him. So that's a different kind of harvest, uh, you know, that we're looking at as well. Uh, so thank you for that. Okay, so I have a couple of questions. Anybody, if you're not familiar with Zoom, if you hover down at the bottom, there's a little symbol that says Q&A. If you pop your question in there, uh, we'll ask Dan. And I've got a couple of questions that are ready to go. So somebody has asked, I have a five feet wide by 40 feet long spot. Options, question mark. I am an urbanite and clueless, sadly, on growing anything. So I guess they're looking for a little direction on where's the best place to start. Well, I would say if you're close to an Action for Canada chapter, we connect very well with our chapter people. And uh, I would love for you to connect with somebody with one of our chapters because, uh, you know, we've got some information that we'll be posting on our website and uh, there'll be more information on there. And in my last presentation that we did, I think it was last, I'm going to say July, there is a section I do on there where, I mean, that's a good space, five by 40. Wow, that's, you can, you can, uh, you can feed a neighbor with that. And if Tanya's close, maybe you can feed Tanya as well. <laughs> but I would say, you know, uh, doing a garden like that with, with a friend or with a neighbor or, you know, finding somebody and say, I've got this space. And if you know anything about it, will you work with me? So partner up with somebody. That's what I would suggest. Right. So um, with a with a 40 foot space like that, five feet wide, you need a little room to be able to squeeze in there. So if you have three feet of gardening by 40 feet, you could strategically plant some carrots. I love growing carrots and yeah. uh, the zucchinis put them somewhere on the end because they do like to travel <laughs> and anything like that. I used to grow my own pumpkins as well. And so is there tomato plants are also uh, terrific and um, lettuces. So is there anything else that you would recommend for a three foot by 40 foot garden space? Yeah. So typically your reach is about looking at my hands, see where they go there now on the screen. <laughs> But your reach is about two and a half to three feet. So you'd want to be able to access this garden from both sides, right? So I, I'm assuming that this person can access the garden from both sides. So depending on your orientation of this space as well, typically you would want a, a garden that's lengthwise like this to face east and west so that, you know, they would get full southern exposure. Uh, so a certain... Uh, certain crops like lettuces, they like a cooler weather, so they would do well in, a, in more of a shady area as well. 
uh, tomatoes like full sun, you know, and certain, uh, look at your seed packages as well to see what likes full sun. So you can plant, uh, again, some, uh, some short, sh shorter crops toward the front, like some bush beans toward the front. And if you have some taller things, like you put tomatoes towards the back, if that's how you're going to do it. And uh, even, you know, if you want, you can plant some corn. If you have, uh, if your, your access is limited, put your corn towards the back. And what some people do, as a matter of fact, is they plant some corn and then they'll put some, um, some climbing beans, uh, companion plant them right next to the corn. So the beans will actually go up the corn stalks. <laughs> That's neat. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure that, uh, well, these are really good tips, right? I leave, like even having conversation about them because uh, as we talk about things, those ideas come up because you said the preference was plant your garden east to west, but if you only have uh, north to south, then you would have to think what side would be best on the shady and what side needs the most sun, like the tomatoes. Those are things to right. consider. That's right. Okay. Um, I've been looking at Tower Gardens. What brand would you uh, recommend? Oh, uh, you know what? I would have to. I can't remember what uh, what brand ours is. Um, just give me one second here, and I That's will. That's okay. Take take uh, a peek at that. Maybe. Uh, the, mm -hmm. Yeah. Juice Plus is the brand that we have. Our, ours is, uh, okay. the brand is Juice Plus, and their service is excellent. We have ordered some um, some more uh, of the, the um, so basically with the tower garden is you don't, there's no dirt involved, it's just water. And every time we top up with water, we also add some liquid nutrients in there. And we've had to order the, the liquid nutrients once before. Their shipping is excellent, it's very quick service. We basically had to do no service to it at all. It's just been a, a cleaning. Like I said, we've had the thing for about a year and a half now, and I've had to, to take all the plants apart in that once and clean it. And I got to tell you something, too. When I took some of the uh, the Swiss chard out, I actually took, when I took it out, I mean, it was a huge ball of roots. I actually took it and put it in my greenhouse uh, in the fall, and it actually grew all winter. So I did very well. Yeah. So Tower Garden by Juice Plus is the one that I would recommend. Okay. And that's food grade. Some added needs yes. to be food grade. Yeah. Okay. So yes, yes to that. Um, I know somebody asked, Cynthia said, website for Prepper Dan. So it's going to be on the Action for Canada uh, Rumble channel. And so that's where you can look for future videos. Plus, we're going to have it on the food security page on Action for Canada. Okay, I'm not sure. Um, I've got a DIY hydroponic tower garden link here, but I'm hoping Sheila put that in the chat. Okay, Dan, would you please repeat what the WEF plans to do in July? Okay, so basically what they're suggesting is that there's too much misinformation and disinformation on, on the web. Probably about everything we're talking about, like all the truth that we're talking about. So they want to clean it. So what they want to do is they want to disconnect the World Wide Web for one day. And then they're saying, well, probably to do that, what we should do is disconnect the entire power grid in certain countries also for that same day. And they're also saying, well, it's going to cost the world economy like it's in the billions of dollars. And then some are saying they're going to say, oh, 
look how greener the planet got today because we did this. And so it's all part of the climate change initiative, right? So my suggestion was, well, if, if all we do to preserve our food is, is put things in the freezer, you know what it's like. I mean, we have hurricanes here on the East Coast or the tail ends of hurricanes and winter storms. And sometimes the power goes off for, you know, a week and that. And uh, so we have to be prepared, right? So we don't want to put all of our eggs into the freezer, so to speak, or into our one basket. So we have to be prepared. So having said that, some of the segments in the videos we're going to do is I'm going to teach you how to cook without an electric stove. There are options, right? And uh, all you need is maybe a few twigs, maybe a barbecue, and uh, I'm not going to reveal all the secrets here. You'll have to stay tuned. <laughs> but we want you to be prepared for disasters and, and all those things, okay? So mm -hmm. we, we don't want to scare you, but we just want to say you've got to think about being prepared. And so we're going to work at preparing you. So you need to have food and you need to have, be able to cook it and preserve it as well. Okay. Uh, what about uh, freeze drying? Do you do that as well? You'll probably uh, provide uh, some of that on Pepper Dan? We looked into that. Yeah. And I, I tell you, I've had freeze dried food before. Um, I prefer not freeze dried food. <laughs> The, the freeze dryers that you can purchase, I tell you, the good ones, they're, they're like four or $5,000. They're pretty expensive. And the bags that you purchase for that too, they are fairly expensive as well. So if you're going to get a freeze dryer, uh, I would suggest uh, go maybe get one with maybe another family or two. And then, you know, like a person could use it for three or four days and then another person could use it for three or four days. But just to get one yourself, I mean, if you've got the money to do that, like, you know, good for you, get one. But I mean, there are perhaps easier ways to, uh, I'm not discouraging you, but I'm, I'm just saying of all the options out there, it's probably the most expensive way to do it. Okay. Uh, this is going to have to do with uh, slugs and rodents. <laughs> so one question okay. is, last summer we had an invasion of slugs. What do you suggest for this? Uh, well, is some it people like to put... Uh, marigolds are good for um, for certain things. Yeah, some people like to put like a, a cup out with beer. Um, you know, if, <laughs> you know, people are getting rid of a lot of their beer with the 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 the, uh, the trans person on it. You know, that would be a good way to get rid of that beer. You know, put it up <laughs> for the slugs. <laughs> there you go. A good way to recycle it. You know, um, there. What I use personally in, in my garden for that is uh, a slug bait. If if you have slugs and you want to just and they just eat the stuff and then they just they just shrivel up and die. But mm -hmm. uh, uh, another thing that works well is I uh, I dry some eggs, um, some egg um, not egg cartons, but um, eggshells, and uh, I just put them around my plants. Another thing that you'll find for slugs are very destructive when your plants are very small. For example, like your cucumber plants and that. So what I have done as well is I take toilet paper rolls. So when the plants get to be really, really small, I just cut a slit in the toilet paper roll and just put that around the stem. And then the slugs can't get to to the um, uh, to the stem to eat it because they eat around the stem. Same with uh, sunflowers. I grow a lot of sunflowers and they seem to love sunflowers. So that seems to prevent them. But an easy way to is uh, is just to go out there early every morning and just pick them. Sometimes I'll just I'll have a, a can and I put a, a bit of water with bleach in it, and it's uh, it's kind of an icky thing. But uh, now that I have 
chickens. I just pick them in a, in a can and put them in a can and uh, the chickens get protein treats every morning. <laughs> All right. And, and that's, that's icky for sure. Okay. <laughs> and then Sorry. if you use, yeah, that's all right. Uh, we got to talk about everything. If uh, you use slug bait, of course, if you have animals, you could uh, put it in a yogurt container, the slug bait, the slugs can crawl in and that way your animals can't get at it. Just cut a little hole in there and uh, protect your, your pups and 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 whoever else would go after that, I guess, whatever pets you have. All right. Uh, the other one was, how can I stop the mice? Oh, those little mice there. I've had a mouse problem in my garage this last year. And 30 years, never a problem with mice, but I'm experiencing it. Okay. How can I stop the mice or something from eating my purple beans? Hmm. Well, if a cat is an option, I would get a cat. <laughs> Cat. <laughs> uh, mouse traps. I mean, yeah, mice reproduce like crazy. If you've ever seen videos of mice reproducing, um, you know, m mice traps would be, I, I mean, you can put some poisons out. The, the problem with some of the poisons out there is the mice do get, um, they do get, uh, they get used to them and it just doesn't seem to work well for them. Um, so people know I used to own a farm feed store. So I'm very familiar with um, all, a lot of those products out there on the market. I used to sell the, the big bags and buckets of the, the stuff for farmers. And uh, it used to be that you can get that stuff. Now you can't. Like, uh, it's very difficult to get the good stuff, the non-toxic stuff to animals in that. Uh, and you just can't get that stuff anymore. Uh, the only things you can get now is, you know, they come in the little containers um, that you have to put the, the little blocks in there. They just don't seem to work work as well for some reason. Um, uh, I, I find, you know, the, the mouse traps work best if, if you have to have a mouse trap. And mm -hmm. uh, it, even relocating the mice, they'll come back. Mice and rats, they're they're prolific. Right. I, I have a, because uh, my mom also lives downstairs with me. She lives with me. And uh, we were going through this uh, little mouse problem last year. And I won't tell you what originally I had to do to get the problem under control. I did try the uh, traps as well. And that's so very undelightful. But, uh, you know, the threat of the damage that they do, it was horrific. It was absolutely horrific. But I fixed the problem. But now I got a live uh, mouse trap. And it's a steel one. I bought it at Rona and we've caught two little mice in there and I take them over to Bonnie Henry's house <laughs> and I drop them off at the health officers uh, by her home. Um, but no, I do. I take it. I drive it miles away because apparently they have good little detectors to get back to where they've come from. Right. But, you know, if you have somebody like that in your neighborhood, you might you want might want to you know, give them a mouse. So, but that is, there are options if you want to do it in a humane way that you can uh, catch them live. And then, like I said, you have to take that little trip a couple of miles away and drop them off. Okay. I did see <laughs> a commercial back. one time with a, it's like a bucket with a little ladder and it's got like yeah. a, the bucket kind of swivels. So you'd put something in the bucket, like a, some sort of a bait that would attract them. And as they mm -hmm. go up there, you know, they, it just swivels and then they can't get out. 
So then you can take a whole bucket of mice to Bonnie Henry's house. Right. I know. I would just be so happy to do that, right? In love. <laughs> okay. Um, good stuff. All right. What generator would you suggest when they turn things off? A big one. Generator? <laughs> yeah. A good one. Well, there's there's a couple. Like I, I've got a, 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 a Honda, and I would suggest if you do get a Honda, get a GX engine. Uh, it's, a, it's a commercial grade engine uh there is a type of generator out there now and i just i just don't have the information here but there's a type of generator that doesn't run full power all the time it's an on-demand generator so as you plug things in and as things turn on it revs up and and goes down um so it it'll save you on fuel i gotta tell you though generators are really heavy on fuel um the expression i like to use is they're pigs on fuel and they really are because you can easily go through like 20 liters of, of gasoline a day if you're running yeah. them. Uh, keep in mind too, you know, your, your, your deep freezers are very well insulated, like the newer ones. And don't think that as soon as the power goes off, you have to plug them into a generator. They can actually go a couple of days without, without you having to do anything if you keep the lid down. And what I do with mine is as soon as I have some free space in my deep freezers, I have uh, like uh, orange juice bottles, like the thicker plastic bottles, and I fill them up like uh, 80% full of water. And as soon as I have space in my freezers, I stick them in my freezer. So they act like big giant ice cubes in there. So if the power does go off, I've got extra ice in there. And I can mm -hmm. drink that water if I have to, you know, as, as, it, as they thaw out. But that way it keeps the freezer cooler even longer. And you can also use... Um, throw a few big blankets on top of the freezer to keep them cool even longer as well. Right. Yeah. I was going to suggest that too. We had a, uh, my daughter had bunnies when she was little and this one mummy bunny, we were just wanting baby so bad and to have one little baby and it happened in the middle of winter in a snowstorm and really minus degrees. And I was out there in the middle of the night throwing, it was in the garage, but still it was so cold throwing blankets over it. So there are ways to prolong that with your freezer, etc. I know I was thinking about this with the generators and that you need fuel and they're wanting to get rid of the fuel. Um, I believe they're making some that uh, go by solar as well. And then I had this picture in my mind, it's just how it works, of connecting like a bicycle to it or, you know, and then you can make your own energy, right? And you can get good exercise. So that's something to think about. Okay. Uh, One of the, the things I'm going to show you at some point, a uh, little, a little, you can get a little BioLite stove. It's just a little stove that uh, um, you burn twigs in it. So it, it shoots off a flame so you can actually cook, like a boil a pot of tea or coffee or put a cast iron pan on it. You can cook something on it. But as, as it produces um, uh, heat to cook on it, it also creates electricity and you can actually plug in your cell phone and charge your cell phone on it. So, there but we'll go. be showing that in one of the videos. Yeah. Inventions. My dad passed away many, many years ago, but he loved inventions. And I, I always loved that inquiring mind, you know, people to come up with solutions. Okay, we can do this. Um, okay, how, oh, how do you keep raccoons and squirrels out of the garden? They've ruined so many of uh, this person's plants. A fence well, and, or chicken mesh? Out of your garden? Uh, yeah. The, the best way to do it, if you want to do it humanely, is fence your garden. You have to fence your garden. You really do. That would be chick, um, chicken mesh, though. Like, you got to go really 
really small. You got to use the, well, even the chicken wire. Raccoons will tear through that. If raccoons want to get in, raccoons will get through that. Uh, you've got to use the uh, the hardware cloth, which is a heavier gauge than that. Uh, unfortunately, where I live, squirrels get into your vehicles. They chew the wires and they pull the insulation out. So I don't know if you want me to tell you what I do with mine, but um, we we have to take care of them in a different way here because they just uh, they've gotten into the house here, they've gotten into the attic, and then they have their babies, and then it's it's a huge thing. So you know, um, yeah. But if, if you want to keep them out of your garden, uh, you have to basically just uh, build a nice fence around your garden. Okay, there we go. All right. Well, you're you're in Nova Scotia, and this person is asking what type of greenhouse would survive a maritime winter. And I love it because your next video as well, you go into uh, the greenhouse. You did in the last one as well. You show the temperature and how you manage no heat, and you still had vegetables that are growing, and now they're thriving. I was amazed from the yeah. last video to the next one that's coming out. So it's pretty simple. Yeah. I've actually built two greenhouses, uh, one of them with a former police officer that I was working with. And uh, we just built a, somebody uh, donated us some some huge hoops. I think it was, uh, I'm going to say 24 feet wide. And we just put plastic over it. And they got hit really hard with uh, Hurricane Fiona. I mean, we did, we did as well. But uh, both, so he had a sawmill uh, building around his sawmill. And right next to that was the greenhouse that we built. Uh, so I inquired, uh, I asked him how his sawmill shed fared out. And he says, well, part of it is in Kansas somewhere <laughs> from Cape Breton or from Nova Scotia. But the greenhouse was intact that we built. And my little greenhouse here, I mean, we, you know, we had a lot of damage. If people saw pictures of Cape Breton after Hurricane Fiona, I mean, there were streets. You couldn't even tell there was houses on them. It was just massive trees everywhere. My little greenhouse never budged. So it's all on how you build it. You know, right. Amazing. and like I said, I own my own uh, sawmill, so I just milled my own lumber and I use the corrugated plastic panels from Home Depot. And then in the wintertime, what I do is I put an extra layer of plastic on the inside. So there's a, a air gap between the two by fours. And uh, yeah, I mean, I could have thrown a little heater in there this winter and maybe not lost as much as I did lose. But I've, I've got crops in there that I'm going to be harvesting probably in the next month and then replanting it for the summer. Okay, that's awesome. I'm just looking at, you know what, I think I have, I'm going to make it public, because I think we agreed that uh, the transplants and the chaga tea, right, is the next one? Yes. Okay, so for that person that asked the question, I've just made it go live, and I'm going to put it in the Zoom, and then Sheila can include it in uh, the description of this video. We'll include this link. So there's Dan's next video. It'll also, also be on Action for Canada's webpage. Be great if you came there and uh, share that information. All right, yeah, that's that's uh, great. Uh, I think that once people watch your videos and see what it is, I, I was impressed with the corrugated wood uh, because it had the insulation, like you say, which helped to keep the uh, gardens uh, warmer. Somebody had noted in the chat i saw you were talking about above ground but for people that have more of a drought uh they were suggesting that it was better to have it in ground your garden in ground because they would do better but i guess it would rely on you watering it regularly yes yeah right? so above ground gardens like raised bed gardens they do dry out faster because they're more exposed to the wind and to the sun 
So that's one thing to to keep in mind. And I do mention that I think in this late in this uh, in this other I, I mentioned it somewhere. Okay. That they do dry out quicker. All right. Okay. So the tower, there's a lot of questions. These are great questions, people. I love it. <laughs> okay. The tower that you use, I have seen them and a few others. There's also rectangular ones that stack that have lights on them. Which one uh, would you think works best? Well, I've not tried the rectangular ones, but I got to tell you, if you go, if you just go to Amazon and type in, um, uh, I didn't, you know what, if you go to my, to my other webinar that I did in July, I post a few pictures of an alternate type that you can build yourself, but you can order most of the components, uh, from Amazon and it'll cost you maybe 200, $250. Um, they're a little less, uh, elaborate but they will still work. So basically they're made out of PVC pipes and you can make them any size that you want. So instead of a nice fancy bowl at the bottom, you know, you may have to just purchase like a Rubbermaid, um, uh, like a 10 gallon container. bucket, but they do come with a pump and all that. So, yeah. So I've never okay. tried the rectangular ones, but uh, anything is better than nothing at this point. Sounds good. Um, I want to talk a minute uh, about heirloom seeds. Uh, for those that don't know what an heirloom seed is, uh, somebody had posted something about uh, tomatoes in Mexico possibly having the vaccine in them. We know uh, in my research that I think tomatoes, potatoes, uh, avocados were on the list uh, for already possibly putting the vaccine in. But so talk about what an heirloom seed is and where people can get those. And can you, once you're uh, planting, because this is a mouse story again, is that my sister is also very much into gardening and they were building a house and living uh, in a camper and there was a mouse issue and she had spent all of the time getting her tomato seeds. And she woke up in the morning and the mice had destroyed them and eaten them. So that's a story. Make sure that, you know, if you get the tomato seeds prepared and you're drying them, make sure that they're well protected uh, from any rodents getting in there. But Dan, can you elaborate on this a little bit? Yeah. So all of my seeds are stored either in glass jars, tight fitting glass jars. So the mice don't get to them once they're dry or in metal containers that are again, mouse proof. So heirloom seeds are seeds that um, typically are older seeds. There are a lot of them are, are open pollinated, which means that, um, uh, how do you describe open pollinated? They're basically, you can just plant them and they don't need other cross pollinators. And heirloom would simply mean that uh, they've been passed down usually from generation to generation. They're non-GMO. Now, I've got to warn people, too, there's a lot of seeds that we've been finding that have the stamp on them that say non-GMO that have been proven to typically not be not non-GMO. So uh, it's really <laughs> it's really misleading, really. I mean, we're reading labels uh, of things that we're finding are false and falsified. You really need to uh, get some seeds, really, that uh, if you can get them locally from a trusted source, and it just means asking around. Uh, the other thing that, that I would recommend too is there are some, uh, oh, here's one thing I, I, I forgot to mention that I was gonna mention as well. Our local library here has a free seed library this year. And I thought that's interesting because are they really encouraging people to grow their seed? 
So uh, someone that we know went to the seed library and there's like eight different seeds that you can get, like tomatoes, cucumbers, and a few other things. Here's the catch. You have to, you have to fill out this form and they want to know your address and they want to know a little bit about you, right? So now they want to know who is actually gardening in your area. So they just turned around and walked away. They're like, yeah, not so free anymore, right? So they want to control yeah. that. And so I just kind of want to just warn people, you know, and the other thing I, I, that we are going to mention in, in a future video as well is uh, there's a controversy with regards to uh, those are chemtrails. People say, no, we don't believe in that. They're contrails. But you and I know, Tanya, we've had this discussion before about what's going on with some of our fruit trees here. You know, we've got cherry trees in our land. And last year, by the end of June, the leaves were all dying. You know, yep. I have some gardens inside. I have some gardens outside. And every time it rains and then the sun comes out, everything in my outdoor gardens turns yellow for like the next day or two. But everything that's watered inside from the well is just thriving. So there is stuff in the air. We know that. So the seeds that are that we get that we purchase, you know, I, I'm finding some some of the seeds that say they're non-GMO. Maybe only half of them are actually grown, and the quality is is pathetic. So I have tried to save some of those seeds and grow them the next year. Nothing is growing. So we do have some uh, some trusted farmers that we know are heirloom seeds. In other words, they don't necessarily have a package that say heirloom, but we know that they are seeds that they save year after year. And so we can purchase some of those seeds and some of those seeds I have kept. And so some of them are some of the seeds that I, that I use year after year after year. So it's a matter of just building that community. And we're hoping that we can build some of that community through Action for Canada as well. And, mm -hmm. you know, we can trust our own suppliers. Okay. Great. So as Thank I'm you, seeing Dan. in the chat here right now, it's mm -hmm. it, again, it's building this community. People saying, "Oh, I order," you know, from like some are saying Vessies, you know, from PEI. Uh, I get some of my seeds from uh, Halifax Seed, and I used to be a distributor with Vessies and with Halifax Seed when I had my farm feed store. And uh, you know, some of those are reputable, and uh, we do have uh, two uh, heirloom seed distributors here in Nova Scotia as well that I have bought some. So it's it's almost like a hit and miss. You have to try some. And what I do with some of my seeds is I usually put some in a in a in a, in a container and I, I put some water in it and I wait four, five, six days. And if I see that nothing's happening with the seed, they're not starting to crack open and germinate. The chances are they may or may not germinate, but a lot of times I'll take a whole package and, and plant them, nothing will happen. I'll buy a second package and they'll all germinate. So it's really hit and miss. Okay. Is there any way to determine between the difference between GMO seeds and modified seeds and heirloom seeds? By looking at them, no. But a lot of the mm -hmm. ones that have been coated, like they're colored and they'll say, oh, it's to help with, you know, handling them or spacing them or whatever. I would suspect a lot of them are, are probably GMO. Okay. And maybe if they grow with superpower, like really fast, right? Huh. If they're outgrowing the other ones, that might be a sign yeah. too that they've had a little yeah. help. Um, okay. Uh, I always think they're on steroids and everything. <laughs> that, that's how I picture GMOs. All right. What exactly are bush beans or pole beans? Are they like green wax beans? Uh, yes and no. Uh, they, they like to climb as opposed to like a bush bean will stay maybe, you know, 18 inches to two feet tall. 
a climbing pole bean. They'll get those little runner um, twiggy things that so they'll they'll be almost like a um, like a pea. You know the peas when that when the peas start to grow, they get those little fuzzy things and they just want to climb. Well, a pole bean will be like that, and they just want to go up. So my pole beans last year, I built an eight foot trellis and they climbed up to the top and then they climbed down and then climbed right over to the other side. And actually we had the tail end of another hurricane and it blew the whole thing over because it was full. But the pole beans, like I grow Scarlet Runner pole beans and they literally grow about a foot long. And, um, you know, I, I think I'm the only one in the house that actually eats them. And honestly, I just go out and work in the garden and I just pick them and eat them as I'm working out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I come in and I steam them for a few minutes, put, put some butter I, or I'll, I'll steam them and I'll, I'll, or I'll put them in the wok with some garlic, some fresh garlic, because we grow a lot of garlic here as well. But I, a lot of stuff in the garden, I just pick and eat as I'm working out there. It never really yeah. makes it to the house, you know, like well, radish and- or whatever. I'll just, you know, get the dirt mm-hmm. off of it and just, just <laughs> eat it. <laughs> No slugs. No slugs on there, Dan. No, I'm not <laughs> I, I was going to say green beans are actually really good for canning. So that's a wonderful thing to have on the shelf, you know, for throughout the winter. Yeah. Okay. And can you train zucchini to grow up on a trellis? Yes. Okay. Yeah, but don't wait um, until they become mm-hmm. like super sized, right? Because then your trellis will just want to go. I got to tell you a funny story about zucchinis because zucchinis grow prolifically right? And mm-hmm. I always plant my zucchini in a manure pile. It may sound a little gross, but zucchinis and pumpkins, I mean, they're, they like, you know, a lot of nutrients in that. I remember years ago, we had bumper, bumper, I think one of my kids spilled a, a package or two of seed in, in a huge uh, mountain of, of manure we had. And so we would go to church with it. I was pastoring this one church at the other end of, of Cape Breton here. And we filled the, tr- the back of our van with zucchinis. And I told my children, I said, now when church starts, when everyone's in church, I want you to go in the par- church parking lot and everyone who has their doors unlocked, I want you to take all of the zucchinis and put them in all the people's cars who have their doors unlocked. And that's how we got rid of a lot of zucchinis in our church that year. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a lot of zucchinis, Dan. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, where where was I here? I live in a condo, have a balcony three meters by three meters facing west. Dan, what would you attempt to plant? Facing west. Facing west. So you'll get late day. I, I would grow lettuces probably, you know, um, you know, you, you may get some, some cucumbers maybe. Um, things that like the sun, like tomatoes may, may not do it. Maybe some, uh, some, uh, uh, candy tomatoes or some, um, uh, tiny Tim tomatoes perhaps, you know, uh, but yes, lettuces don't really need a whole lot of sun. Some uh, Swiss chard, maybe some, um, uh, spinach, you know, things you can just like put in a salad kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And as you were showing in one of the pictures, you can, uh, at the hardware store, you can buy boxes that if you do have a railing that you can put on your railing as well. Just make sure they're yes. very secure. <laughs> Depends what yeah. floor you're on, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, somebody had asked as well, what was the mention, the name of the long beans you had mentioned? Uh, I use the, um, uh, the Scarlet Runners. Okay. All right, here's a question. Hoping to afford a greenhouse 8x8, should I buy glass or polycarbonate? 
the glass will last you pretty much forever. The polycarbonate will be cheaper. As a matter of fact, polycarbonate's on sale this week, right here. <laughs> uh, I think they're, the panels are, um, you know, they're probably like $20 a panel. And you can cut them with a, like a, a pair of good scissors or good shears. So that's what I use. And I actually bought twice as much as I need uh, in case they break or whatever. But I'm serious. Like we, we've had, uh, you know, we had quite a bit of snow in the month of March. We had a hurricane here. I haven't lost a panel yet. I use some in where I have uh, one of my rabbit condos here and stuff, and it gets direct wind and stuff. I haven't lost one yet, so and okay. it works well. Sounds good. All right, our so I'm going to try to whip through. Let's do these last questions because we're almost at uh, uh, six thirty here. Okay, are solar panels a great idea? Solar panels. If, yeah, if you have sun, <laughs> if you're living in a sunny part of Canada, maybe. Yeah, I mean, uh, solar panels do wear out after a few years, and it's not just the solar panels, is you need a battery bank for those as well. You need inverters. Uh, it's it's complicated. I'm not an expert in that. I don't have solar panels. Well, I, I should say I have solar panels because I have solar lights outside for some of my barns, and they're great for that. But other than that, to power your whole house, again, it depends on your weather. And um, in, in a pinch, I think it may work. But again, to power your whole house, like your fridges, your stoves, your freezers and that, uh, you would need a pretty big power bank and a lot of, you know, a lot of solar panels. Would it be something for a greenhouse, though, to get through? Would it give oh, longevity a to a greenhouse? It didn't, it didn't specify. I'm just asking yeah. for a smaller project like that. Would it be something that would be beneficial? Mm, I I don't think I would bother really, but. Okay. Yeah. Because once you see Dan's video, you can see that even in what minus 2024, 20, you were, you were doing really well. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, again, it's back to the bugs. Have you found a solution for earwigs? Uh, we have such an issue with them in our garden. Mm -hmm. You know, we used to sell quite a bit of diatomaceous earth when I had my store. Um, mm -hmm. The big bags of diatomaceous earth, and you just basically spread that around in between your plants, and bugs really don't like them. So they may work for uh, for earwigs as well. You know, there there was a few years here where we had quite a run of of, uh, of earwigs. They haven't been bad the last few years. Earwigs really depend on how much moisture you get. <coughs> sometimes in some areas, excuse me, <coughs> but diatomaceous earth, I, I would I would try that. Okay, um, I know that somebody had asked about soil for the greenhouse, and I know in one of your videos, you mentioned you have uh, rabbits and chickens and creating a manure tea type of deal that you uh, water your garden with, but soil-wise, what would you recommend? And then as well, will you be going a little more into detail in one of your upcoming videos? Because you didn't really show people how to make the manure tea or what the uh, quantities were between water and actual manure. So maybe answer both of those questions. Yeah. So in the next video, I've, I've got half of the content already for, for the, the next one. But in the next video, I'm going to show people how to make their own manure tea if they don't have animals that they can have access to like fresh manure. So we'll be discussing that manure tea is is um, it's like the the crack cocaine of for plants. It's what's going to make them go crazy, but crazy in a good way. Okay, so 
Uh, I'm also going to be showing you how to make your own soil. Like even if you get like a bag of, uh, of good soil from the store, but you can go for a walk in the woods, bring an empty shopping bag. You can collect some leaves, some dry leaves from the woods. Even if you live in the city, go to a park. Um, when your neighbors start cutting their grass and instead of putting it to the curb, say, hey, can I get your grass? And they're going to look at you kind of funny, but I'm going to show you what to do with that grass. And you can start making your, soil, your own soil, even if it's just a little bit. And you can mix that with whatever you may buy at the store, even to put in a planter. And as that grass decomposes and you can mix a little bit of your like your coffee grounds. I never put coffee grounds in the garbage. I've got my own bins for that. The worms love it. And you want worms because you want worm castings in, in your garden. So we'll be discussing all of that in the next uh, in the next video and the video after that. Okay, I, I know in cities as well, in urban areas, they sell composters and they're actually mm -hmm. a pretty good size and, and your vegetable clippings and like you say, your coffee, your grass clippings, you can, uh, you know, put in there and then as you turn it in the soil, because it, it starts to get warm and break everything down, right? And um, is that what you're referring to? People could even get a composter and then start using that for their gardens? I would stay away from those plastic composters that you can buy. Honestly, I would right. because the stuff just rots in there. It doesn't really compost. So um, what about I, a wooden, wooden actually, one? Yeah, that would be better. I could actually do a okay. five-minute section on how to build your own little composter in your yard where your stuff won't, uh, won't smell and it'll decompose actually a lot better. You can actually do something very quickly in a month's time uh, with a, a mound of just stuff and uh, you'll get some nice worms in there. Yeah, yeah. We'll do something okay, like that. Okay, and yeah, sounds good. And uh, Jenny had made a good comment. She just said, make sure that your neighbors aren't putting chemicals on their grass. Right. Um, and, yeah. and the more we can stay away from anything plastic, any kind of stained wood, because all of that's going to seep into the soil. So natural cedars, etc., is what we should be having close to our soil and our dirt. Even when you're creating those layers, I know that you have had branches in there and different uh, natural materials, uh, because as your roots go into the ground, that's all going into your food so stay as healthy as possible all right this is going to be our final question then we're going to wrap it up um, I have a small number of laying hens and besides the higher cost of organic feed acquiring the feed is becoming inconsistent I wanted to add to my flock but am concerned about the food supply for the hens moving forward any creative suggestions uh, yeah so um, yeah, and I know where you're going with this because I, uh, I, I, uh, when I, when I opened my store, we started feeding co-op feed, which is by the way, garbage feed. Uh, we feed the Purina feed now, by the way, the Purina feed in Canada is not the same as the one in, in the United States. So we feed uh, our chickens, a lot of other stuff too. So a lot of organic things, a lot of, uh, table scraps or, or waste, not meat scraps and that. But uh, grass clippings, we give uh, a lot of that to our chickens. We have to be very careful here with our chickens because we have a, a, a healthy fox population. So our chickens do have a run, but it's fenced in. And uh, we have a few little dogs here that are patrol, <laughs> patrol dogs, even though they are small. Uh, so I, maybe I'll do a little video on this as well. It'll be separate from our regular things. I. I built a little contraption here a few years ago that was a five-gallon bucket, and I put a little uh, one-by-four through it in the middle with a few uh, nails. And at the store, you can buy a piece of liver for like a dollar, two dollars, 
and I poked a hole through the bottom of the five gallon bucket and stuck a piece of liver on there and just left it there. And you know what happens after a few days? Uh, the flies come in and you end up getting a really good, healthy supply of maggots. And the chickens just love the feed. I mean, oh. free protein. Yeah. So better than crickets, right? I mean, they, the elites want you to eat crickets. But here it was. I mean, when I opened up the hatch in the morning, it was like maggots, you know, and it was it was just a show to watch them. And they'd be and all day long, they'd be. You know, a few of them would be scratching, but they'd be looking up at this bucket, waiting for the next maggot to just fall. And this little one, like $2 piece of liver, would literally last there for like a week. And it was the funniest thing. And uh, so anyhow, and then a lot of times when we rake the yard, we live in a wooded area here. So anytime I get like a, a large amount of leaves and a little bit of twigs, we put that through. Our, we have a big wood chipper. And then it all goes in there. So they eat bugs in there. They, they're always scratching at things. So uh, I, we feed them scratch as well. So crack corn and then a mixture of scratch grains as well. But anything organic okay. that you can feed them uh, and food scraps, if you can get food scraps even from your local store. I know that there's a website, the, a YouTube site that I follow. They get boxes of like of food that's going, like vegetables that's going bad. They go in there and chickens will eat anything. You probably know that already, right? So, Okay, so I'm going to change that. We're not ending on this. We're going to ask one more question because that's too icky. <laughs> I don't want, that was so gross. I'm thinking the cycle of life and those maggots are going through and then there's the eggs and it's like, I don't want to touch those eggs. I'm, I'm, I'm sure maybe other people are thinking about it as well. So, okay. Uh, so this is going to be the final question. <laughs> Do you know anything about in-ground greenhouses? Jenny, can you put the name of that again? I had seen that you had posted what the name was and then i didn't catch it i've scrolled past there uh, uh okay so in-ground greenhouses apparently they can be found up north and grow year-round because it is below the frost line i'm just seeing if jenny had put the name in again there's a special name yeah. for them so are you well, familiar Wallapini, with those I think? Yeah. oh there it is yeah well so, so i did hear about those and I'll, i gotta tell you something about greenhouses greenhouses are amazing like just the simple concept of greenhouses it breaks my heart because I've driven across this country, except BC. I've never been to BC or Newfoundland yet. But it breaks my heart to see how much land and old farmland that is not being used anymore. There is no reason why this country cannot produce enough food to feed our own our own people. Mm -hmm. And the amount of like even dead and dying forests that we have that we can't heat our own greenhouses either. Like, you know, I, I can go on and on about this. But if you take the concept, the greenhouse concept and apply it even to our northern climates. And, and you're right, because we have a frost level here. And I have a friend of mine who uh, he has a firewood business and he also has cows. And one year he produced so much firewood that um, he had a huge amount of just bark in his yard. And, and we went over to his house for, for dinner when I, and I couldn't believe this is middle of winter. And we had like three feet of snow on the ground, but this pile of bark, the steam coming off of it. And he said to me, he says, stick your hand in there. And I stuck my hand in there for about three seconds. And I, I almost burnt my hand. I said, what do you have in there? He said, just the wood decomposing. He says, come to the back of my house. So we went to the back of his house. He had taken a section about four feet by four feet, dug it out about I'm going to say three feet by his foundation, poured concrete, and he had taken 
Now, this may sound a little gross, but fresh uh, cow manure and these wood shade, uh, wood bark and filled it in there. But he had put uh, some wa- water coils with uh, ethylene glycol in there. He had a circulating pump. He was heating the majority of his house by that stuff decomposing. And that's it. And this little water Amazing. pump was circulating that stuff through his basement and it was heating most of his house. You can use that concept and heat a greenhouse and grow food year round. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, we've got this stuff. It's decomposing in our forests right now, right? So I used a little bit of that concept in my own greenhouse with insulated panels. And so you can use something like that and, and bury it in the ground a little bit, right? And you can grow food year round. Like for I mean, we've got we've got hungry people all the time. Right. So so this concept, I have the I've seen this concept before, but I haven't really researched it, but it can work anywhere. Okay, awesome. That's uh, that's wonderful. When you said this is going to be gross, I thought I was going to have to ask another question. <laughs> so that story wasn't too bad. Oh, so well, Dan, I had fun tonight. Boy, we've got so many heavy topics, right? That um, and I find that gardening gardening is very healing. Get my hands in the dirt. Uh, it's my mental health days when I get to go out there and uh, I mine are planting flowers and whatnot right now. But uh, I hope to get back to gardening, and so. We we just really appreciate that you have come on tonight and given us such an amazing presentation, but uh, stuck around with us and answered all these questions. Again, we encourage everybody to come to Action for Canada on our food security page. Uh, Dan's videos will all be uploaded there. And we're going to have Dan uh, come on again in a couple of months because we're going to start talking about harvesting and prepping and canning. And uh, maybe we could do another show. How does that sound? That sounds good. And let me just uh, okay. close with this wonderful thing, not gross or whatever, but if all you can plant is flowers, because flowers are nice, and you want to plant an edible flower, plant nasturtiums, because you can eat nasturtiums. They've got a nice little spicy taste them. You can put them in your salad, and they look pretty. There you go. I do have chives in the backyard <laughs> that survived my garden from years ago. And they're pretty because they get the purple flowers on them, and you can actually eat those yeah. as well. Kind of a little bit spicy. Too. Yeah, I'm going to ask you to stick around for a minute. Um, So just stay with me. Terenzio, can you bring the Bible verse up? We're going to keep Dan on. And uh, I'm just going to read the word. And so I just found this of great encouragement, Genesis 1, 1, 11. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth and it was so and as i was saying earlier i just love this verse because it doesn't talk about uh, changing any of god's design with gmo or trying to improve on it you just can't improve on what god has prepared at the beginning of time for us and we need to treat it with respect and we need to go back to the good old days and start, uh, you know, working to grow our food and have control again over what we eat. So, Dan, would you actually close us off in prayer tonight? I would love to. Yeah. Okay. Father, thank you so much for all of the wonderful people that we had on the show tonight. I thank you for Tanya for giving her the vision, Lord, and the stamina for starting Action for Canada so many years ago and for it growing We've been talking about growing tonight, but Action for Canada has grown 
to what it is today. So many different departments and ministries that we are enjoying today. And I thank you for this wonderful team, Lord, that I get to spend so much of my time and my weeks and my days with. Our prayer teams, our pastor teams, our homeschooling teams, our chapter teams, Lord, and and all of the, the fun things that we get to do behind the scenes, Lord, that a lot of these people don't see. But we have this much fun pretty much all the time with with Action for Canada, Lord. It's not always uh, heavy and, and uh, disheartening, but Canadians need to know that Action for Canada, really, we are doing things for the glory of God all the time. So, Lord, I thank you for everything that was said and done tonight. May it all be done for your glory. And, Lord, uh, as I shared at the last part of my message, Lord, for those that may be a little bit disheartened and may be a little bit discouraged at the state of our world, we do know, Lord, that you have a wonderful plan of salvation. And I just pray, Lord, that you will open people's hearts to receive you. And uh, we thank you for the promise of heaven where uh, uh, we just know and understand, Lord, that you you are been preparing a place for us, Lord, for those that would receive this free gift of salvation. So bless each and every one as we go our separate ways, Lord. And uh, we thank you again for each and every one that was here tonight. We ask your blessing now. And we ask this in the name of our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much, Dan. Um, uh, we, we're going to be working together on a regular basis here, so I won't say goodbye. I'll say talk to you later. <laughs> and thanks again. All right. Super. Uh, Terenzio, will you bring up our guest for next week? There he is. Uh, this- All right. Thank you so much, Terenzio. Thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight. Have a wonderful week. And uh, there's a weekend coming up just around the corner, so enjoy that too. I hope you have some sunshine. And uh, just God bless you and God bless Canada. Turn.